You're listening to Lady Radio, the hottest show this side of Dizzo. Shuttle approaching. Guest Commander Andre Chasov, you are approved for docking. Chief of Operations to the Engineering Lounge. Chief of Operations to the Engineering Lounge. Hello and welcome to the fourth writer's interview. Today I'm on the engineering deck and I'm joined by Andre Chausov. Did I get that right? Yes, that's uh, that's as close as everyone comes to getting it. So you're doing okay. Andre's taken time out to uh, speak to us about his current project, Jameson Jones' supermassive and elite dangerous novel. But before we talk about that, Andre, I just wanted to ask you how you've got into Elite, your feelings on it, uh, your history with the game. Probably the very first time that I saw it would have been in, I was probably a first or second year at university here in Victoria, and there was a guy doing a demo of computer graphics. And... He was showing off some very early um, video stuff with Fractal Mountains and some other cool graphic stuff. And then he cracked open this BBC Micro, his own computer, and just quickly gave us a look at this 3D vector graphics game that he called Elite. And my immediate thought was, gee, that's a that's pretty cool for a home computer, you know, a 3D object spinning around. And I just got an 8-bit Micro myself at that stage, and there was certainly nothing quite that cool that I'd seen online so far. So I was kind of intrigued. But I didn't have a, a BBC. I had an Amstrad CPC. And uh, I don't think Elite was even on it at that particular point. And I think it was 86, probably another 12 months later, that I finally finally got a copy of Elite. I remember going down to the computer shop, game software all over the walls, and shelled out. Oh, it was quite a, bit of, quite a bit of dough for a student in those days. But came away with my very nice box of Elite, which I've still got sitting here next to me, with most of the most of the manuals and certainly a copy of the Dark Wheel. And uh, yeah, off I went to work with the with the Amstrad, and I just like uh, like I think you've heard a lot of people say, fell in love with it. Uh, it was there was so much that you could do, and it was so close to the sort of simulation that you would dream about playing when you got a computer home. And of course, you were then in those days rather disappointed because you know the game you would play often didn't match the pictures on the box. <laughs> it's only been in recent years when the cover did match the actual gameplay. And Elite actually came pretty close to fulfilling that promise that you wanted an exciting sort of full-on 3D simulated universe to fly around in. And that's what, it, that's what it delivered. And it was just remarkable in those days for doing it. Did you play any of the sequels at all then? I must say no. I, um, I'm very much, a, very much an Elite original man. And I didn't think that was much of a deal until the Kickstarter went on, and I could see exactly how popular some of the sequels had been with, with some of the fans. I, I, I played Elite in the 90s when I got an Amiga. I got a copy of the, the Amiga Elite, and that sort of that was great because I, I had used Elite, as I say, in the, in the late 80s, and then in the early 90s it sort of came back. And I remember spending many a bleary night fighting off Thargoids and, and trying to dock successfully. And the graphics were a little bit of a step up on the Amiga. Um, but then by probably 92-ish, I kind of put the Amiga away and wasn't playing much anymore. 
And the reviews that I'd seen coming in years later of Frontier and so on, just, I don't know, it, um, it never sort of engaged me, uh, the material that I read about them, and I never really saw a copy sort of bump up in front of me in the shops. So, no, I, I kind of bypassed them to a large extent. And uh, I've been intrigued by, by some of the stuff I've seen, you know, that people like, like Breakpoint and so on. Uh, Breakpoint's got those wonderful little postage stamp-sized snippets of Frontier Elite in his uh, signature. And it does, it does intrigue me, I must say. But no, um, I was pretty much an original Elite guy. I mean, if there's one thing for you that separated Elite from other games, what made it such a great experience? I mean, could you put your finger on it? Because it, it was a proper simulation. It was a, a complete simulated environment that you, you were self-determining it. You, know, you didn't really have many limitations. or The limitations that were present are sort of very, very well disguised. And you could do what you want, go where you want. You've got not one but several galaxies available to you. So it was it was that freedom and the way that it rendered particular particular bits of uh, experience in a realistic fashion. Like just the whole docking sequence when you came into a Coriolis station and you had to match the rotation of your ship and you could scrape the sides of your ship as you went in and you know it was sort of seat of the pants flying. That was you know for a space simulation relatively unheard of and yeah it was the the, the faithfulness of that simulated experience like that was. You know, when you when you watch 2001 and you saw that whole sequence of the ship sort of docking with the space station in orbit, and it had to match rotation. And yes, the Elite sequence was very much inspired by that. But it wasn't just inspired by it, it was so faithful and so accurately rendered what you wanted to do. You know, when you saw that thing on 2001, you wanted to do that. You wanted to take one of those ships and bloody well dock the thing and, you know, experience the, the difficulty of doing that. And Elite sort of gave you that experience. How did you actually hear about the Kickstarter for Elite Dangerous? That's an interesting question. I think probably on Slashdot. I think I was probably just idly spanning through some, some news items on Slashdot one morning and there was an item about Elite. And I had backed a couple of Kickstarters before that. And sort of a shame on Kickstarter who occasionally you know, spam you with messages about interesting projects. They did not spam me about Elite. But I saw this lead and I went immediately to the, to the website and looked at what was going on. And I thought, my God, you know. This was probably within 24 hours or 48 hours of the thing going live. So I, uh, I just happily put a pledge in, put a fairly generous pledge in. I didn't really get into the habit of upping or jonking pledge because my initial pledge was, you know, it was, uh, I, I calculated what I thought I'd like to put into it, and that's what I put into it initially. I didn't sort of gingerly put in £10 and then slowly increase it. I, I put down what I thought I was prepared to spend. Going to your project then, the writer's packs became available. Did you instantly look at that and think, that's something I can do? Uh, or did you take your time? Or did you wait around for a while to see um, who else would take them up? I was interested in who might take them up. But my, my very first reaction was, God, that's an interesting and sort of left field kind of offer uh, for a Kickstarter. But my immediate thought was, yeah, hey, um, I would like to write a novel and I wouldn't mind writing a novel about a lead. Um, what do I have to do to... To look into this. Now, I, as I said before, I'd, I already put fairly good pledge in for, for the game, and I looked at what they were, were demanding for, for the writer's pledge. I thought, oh, okay, four and a half thousand pounds. How much is that in dollars? Seven thousand dollars. What? And uh, pretty much immediately went cold on the whole idea. <laughs> <laughs> Too rich for you then? Well, despite having put a, a, a decent pledge in, I'm not, I don't have that great an income that I can go out on a limb like that. You know, if you could be sure of getting the money back on your, on your book through sales, 
maybe, but I see this as a sort of niche license, and I wouldn't at all be sure of being able to do that, especially as a as a first time writer. And I just think oh, that's pretty much for a professional writer who has some sort of way that they're going to to be able to recoup that. Yeah, you know, certainly no fan is going to be able to shell out that sort of though just for the the joy of being able to to write one of these books. So I sort of just put not a lot more of it. And then of course Mr. Mr. Wago came along sometime later and sort of said, you know, as as he pointed out in his interview, after some chatter from the forums, why not do a Kickstarter to try and see if I can raise the funds for this. It's a separate project. And yes, I did watch watch that whole thing with interest and, and some terror because he got he got pasted for <laughs> for doing so initially. Um, in some quarters. Very, very strong stuff. He uh, he, um, he weathered that storm pretty well, I think. But I still thought it was a good idea, nonetheless. But I was interested to see what the reaction would be, how he would go. And to, to my joy, I mean, I, I got behind him. I, I gave him a good pledge because I, I really wanted to see that, that succeed. And uh, to, to my joy, a few days later, he was doing really well. He was halfway there, only a few days later. And then Commander Boz joined in. He didn't have quite as much immediate successes as Drew did. And I thought, yes, well, maybe it can be done once and not twice. But the community actually rallied around Boz and we managed to get him there as well. And having two of them in the bag, then my mind started to change a little bit. And uh, I thought, gee, that's interesting. If only I had an actual story that I could write, I might be interested. But I don't have anything jumping out at me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite content to... Like both of both of the pledges I made to to both Boz and Drew involved a little bit of in book content reward, as, as many of the book projects have been offering. So I knew I had to have that tiny bit of input into into those books. And to me, for the moment, that was enough. But uh, over the next day or two, an idea came to me, quite sort of uncalled for. But I was thinking about Elite, and I was thinking about the time distance between the original Elite. And this remake and just how the old game would be different from the new, what's changed in between both in society as well as you know, the 80s are different to today, obviously. And also I've become interested lately, especially since sort of hitting middle age in, in the sort of psychological differences between young people and middle aged people, older people, and just that dynamic that you get between them of, of sometimes stop to watch apprentices working with older tradespeople. You see this incredible difference, you know, the the young guy's full of energy and he's got so much to offer in terms of dynamism that he knows nothing. And he teams himself up with a, a master joiner or somebody who, you know, he's not as fast as he was. He's a little bit tired. He's kind of off his game. But my God, he knows the game inside and out. And you put the two of them together and they're a fantastic team. Uh, anyway, um, various of these things sort of came together in my head suddenly. And I thought, geez, you know, Commander Jameson, he'd be getting on now. I wonder how that would go. But anyway, so the, the idea, the, the germ for this story sort of came into my head. And suddenly I thought, geez, you know, it would be good to write an elite novel. And maybe it's not too late for a third one. So I, I actually, <laughs> it's strange really, I actually, it seems ludicrous now, and it probably was, but I actually wrote to both uh, both Drew and Boz and sort of uh, vaguely kind of asked their permission to see, you know, if, if they wouldn't be too offended by me having a crack at, you know, another Kickstarter-based <laughs> novel project. Because uh, none of the others had been out yet. And uh, they sort of both encouraged me. So I thought, good. So I then spent the next week sort of working out pledge levels and producing all the material. I spent about a week producing the, the video. Um, and of course, all this time, there was about five or six other book projects were sort of popping up. Mm. 
So every other day while I was producing, you know, while, while I was assembling this stuff, I was noticing these other projects get up. And I sort of thought, oh, okay, that's going to be even more challenging when, I, <laughs> when my project goes live. So I think by the time I got, got my ass into gear, I was the last project or the second last project or, or something like that. But I thought, oh, well, hell's bells, you know. I know what my story is. I've, I've got a distinct offering to make. I selected Possible, which was a, a different crowds uh, crowdfunding provider i couldn't use kickstarter being an australian and there are currency uh, issues kickstarter doesn't support projects here it's only the us and the uk so my options were indiegogo which a couple of people had used and indiegogo looked good um i've i've backed a few things on indiegogo including now some of the books i know john harper's book was on indiegogo and there was possible which is a local australian crowdfunder and I'd seen another couple of projects of people that I've known operating on Possible. And it kind of, there was something about Possible, it didn't look quite as, you know, it looked a little bit too local and sort of small pondy compared to Kickstarter. And there are definite advantages to running a project on Kickstarter, especially because for the Elite Dangerous book projects, uh, Elite Dangerous was running on Kickstarter. And it's trivial to invite somebody who's already backing one Kickstarter to back another one. You know, there's no setup that they need to do. They don't have to register. They don't have to do anything extra. And if you go to a person's sort of also backed page on Kickstarter, you get to see this matrix of all the other projects that they've backed. So, you know, there's there's a lot of ways for somebody who's up, who's running a related project on Kickstarter to have people encounter them once they're already backing something like Elite Dangerous. Whereas on Possible, if you invite people along, a, you've got to attract them to go to this completely different website. You've got to encourage them to sign up for an account. There's a lot of extra sort of administrative that I have to go through to, to help you out and be a supporter. So it's not something you do lightly. I don't know, I kind of like helping Australian projects, and I just wanted to be a little bit different too. Not being able to use Kickstarter, I might as well be different all the way, so I opted for Possible. And, uh, yeah, it was a bit difficult for, um, I didn't really have a lot of, interest for I think a few days. Uh, John T. Campbell, if I remember, was my very, very first supporter. Bless his heart. Uh, after, after a couple of days, I, st I did start to get some interest and I had a couple of uh, distinct fans over on the, the, the infamous Elite Dangerous comments page, which was really the whole, uh, it's the marketing core of, of all of the book projects that were running during the, that Kickstarter. I think the, the projects that have come along after the Kickstarter finished, like um, like the role-playing game and uh, and Live Revolution from, from Alan Stroud, they have a much harder time at, at just getting people's interest because the um, the comments page was sort of like this rolling ticker tape of voices. And if you were following out at all, everybody's voice was visible for at least a few moments as people had their eyes on this stream of comments. Uh, on Frontier Forums, that's now a little bit, uh, uh, you know, it's a little bit diffuse. There are many threads and... It's, it's not as easy to get visibility. So I think the, the post-Kickstarter books have a, a slightly harder job of getting eyeballs onto them. Yeah, as I say, I had a, I had a few fans on that, and they helped to get the project some visibility by recommending it. And gradually, I started to get quite a bit of support, and it was a bit, uh, bit nail-biting towards the finish because I was still a long way off when the Kickstarter, my, my possible fund, was about to expire about 24 hours before the Elite Dangerous Kickstarter was about to expire. And frankly, I... I didn't think I'd be writing a novel, probably, because we're pretty far away from the goal. But, uh, wow, in the last few hours, which happened with a few of the books, I must say, 
but like every time something like that happens, you don't necessarily expect it and you don't see it coming in advance and you just feel incredibly grateful to the, to the supporters that come through and kind of get you over the line. That's certainly what happened to me. So where did they come from? I mean, I noticed towards the end that um, in the Elite Dangerous update they were pimping various uh, works of fiction. Was it perhaps from there or was it just general you know, community spirit? Hey, this guy's only got 24 hours left. Let's go and do something there. Well, I, I think that had something to do with it. I must say, I was I was a little bit distracted during that period. I'd had some trouble at work. My my employer collapsed around about Christmas time, and we've been going through. Those of us that worked there were going through this uh, uh, this period of basically becoming creditors of the the company. So we kind of have to get. We're still looking to get paid for, for the month of December, but we have to sort of front up as creditors. And I was actually in a creditors meeting for this incredibly tedious, boring stuff, but it's essential. And uh, I was in this tedious creditors meeting during the last couple of hours of the Kickstarter. I, I was following, I was getting some more substantial sort of support coming in in the last couple of hours, but I kind of had to take my mind off the ball at the, the most crucial, crucial last hour or two. And uh, I suddenly looked down at the phone as I was in this meeting and suddenly I was there, you know, and from left field I'd got some, some large pledges from here and there. Again, all of the... The, the remarkable thing, I think most of the most of the authors that had crowdfunded books would agree that uh, you don't know the vast proportion of the support that comes in. These are these are strangers who put faith in in what you propose and, and you know what you've demonstrated thus far. And it's it's very humbling to to see them you know, put Vicky's down in your favour, and even more humbling when you see them at the last minute sort of coming in numbers and putting some some larger pledges in to help you help you get there. So that's what happened in my case. I had I did have some large ones that come in towards the end. And you just feel really humble and really grateful and committed to uh, to deliver something something of real quality for all these people. But yeah, it was it was the comments page of the Kickstarter, I think, where all the action was. Well excellent. And obviously the outcome of it all was that uh, you got funded. So first of all congratulations on that. You know, tell us a bit about the book. Well I'm I'm going at this from a, a few different angles. I've got a few hooks that I say. One of them is is really not plot related. One is I don't know. I suppose more in the realm of uh, the bonus feature or gimmickry, depending which way you come down on it. But that is the fact that it's illustrated, and uh, I plan to, to have six illustrations in it. Um, and some of the pledge levels had some extra content, so there are some some ship schematics and a sort of parody magazine that, frankly, probably covers a bit of the same ground as the as live radio does in terms of trying to be a bit of a community organ. But so those are those are bonus content. But the main edition of the book is to have six six full coloured illustrations. So that was part of my value add to try to. Uh, I know some of the other books. I know the anthology is going to have illustrations as well, and of course the RPG probably. But it's meant to be a feature of my book, just to to try to bring the universe to life, just that little bit more for people. But in terms of the story itself, a I plan to visit a number of locations. So part of the story is like a a bit of a road movie, the way I conceived it. It's a sort of chase, uh, a dogged pursuit, as, as one person referred to it, across the galaxy. So the two characters will be sort of finding their way to a lot of different locations. So it was a chance to not exactly be a travel log, but to, to show people the, the diversity of the universe, of the galaxy. The other thing is to, to really be a... I had this theme of age relations, the difference between, you know, the changeover period between the old and the new over a generation. Uh, seeing as the original elite came out a generation ago, 
So the theme of the book was to, to both kind of, I don't know, be a bridge between the technology and the feel, the atmosphere of the original Elite Universe and the one that's coming. Now, that will be a little bit modified from what I originally conceived because most of the books are now set in 3300, which is the setting of Elite Dangerous. Commander Jameson doesn't really get to be that old, that he could actually still be around in 3300. Unless he was a brain in a jar or something Well, like that. something like that, and that would kind of ruin the story. So, <laughs> I mean, there are ways you could do it, but I didn't want to do that. I, I wanted to still have him being, you know, a, a fairly active old-timer. So I think I've got him as 70 years old in, in my book. So I think the action of my story is set in uh, 3180. It doesn't quite make the full, full gap between the old and the new, because, a, again, that was partly my error being an original Elite fan. I didn't realise that they'd pushed the, the temporal envelope quite so far forward into the future with Frontier and uh, First Encounters. They really sort of pushed the setting quite a long way into the future. Even so much so that I, I don't know what they're going to do with some of the ships. Like, you couldn't have the same model ships you know, around in 300 years. Things wouldn't have changed significantly more. Uh, but we'll see, how that, we'll see how that pans out. You've taken on, you know, the character of Jameson. Is that going to pose a, a particular challenge for you, seeming that um, a lot of people might be attached to that uh, character? No, you're quite right. I, I felt a little bit cheeky even coming, coming up with the idea. I was sort of thinking, oh, that'll never fly, you know, because he's a kind of icon. But the more I thought about it, apart from being an icon, he was also sort of a, a cipher in a way, the more I thought about it. There was, um, you know, there was a, a lack of substance to him as a character, like his life and his adventures, apart apart from a couple of key things being referred to here and there, there was not a lot of detail about it. There's not much, much known about it. And as I thought about that, I thought, well, okay. So he's actually a bit of a blank canvas that I could that I could have fun with and, and explore for him. So I took the, the elements that I knew that we knew for sure about him, that he was a war hero, that he was you know, a fairly young pilot when he started. He was the start of the original elite, and that he died in 3199. And thought, what the hell? He'll be he'll be the linchpin. And so I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll have an offsider for him. What would be a, what would be a useful offsider? And I thought, somebody that's coming to challenge him. And, and what could challenge somebody? You know, what could challenge an aging war hero better than someone that's come along to, to either subdue him or take him out? And so that's what that's what Zarak's going to be there for. He's um, he's going to be there to, to apprehend his man. Now, one one thing I can reveal uh, without giving away too much of the plot is that Jameson, in his in his old age, has well not just in his old age, but possibly from the middle part of his life to the old age, he's got a bit of a cloud hanging over him. He's uh, he's got something of a he's got the tag of war criminal that's been attached to him somehow during the war. Uh, and he's sort of living under an omniplume, basically a sort of very, very fancy, fancy planet that's a kind of retirement village full of tropical plants and, and so on. So he's got this sort of idyllic existence, but uh, he's sort of very isolated. He's by himself. He's going slightly gaga. I, I was inspired a little bit by the, the tale of John McAfee, the, um, the eccentric uh, software author who was you know, living in Belize and uh, going slightly potty there. He was in the news late last year. And I thought, that's a, that's a fantastic role model for <laughs> <laughs> you know, an, an aging, successful you know, person. So I was a little bit inspired by that. So anyway, he's um he's a little bit cranky. He's got a lot of sadness in his past, and he's sort of got a bit of a cloud hanging over him, and a lot of serious baggage from the war um, and so on. And he's sort of you know is stewing in this sort of personal juice. He's quite wealthy. He did okay after the war. He's kind of stewing, and uh, he uh, I wouldn't say he's exactly suicidal, but he's sort of 
just doesn't know what to do with himself anymore. You know, he's really sort of out of it. And along comes this this interloper, probably not the first interloper, to try and bring him back to the real world. And uh, he's too quick for that to happen, but um, he doesn't actually get rid of the guy. He ends up escaping, and the guy ends up sort of chasing after him. And then, if you, if any of you have seen the, the video, you know that uh, all hell breaks loose because the, the planet that he's been living on suddenly detonates and he's gone, and we don't know why, and we don't know where he's going to go, what's going to happen. But the chase is still on, and from there, all kinds of stuff is going to happen, but I'm not going to go into that. So that's the setup, uh, and that's that's not exactly anything new. As I say, people that, are, people that are supporting the story already will have been well aware of that. But I've been, I've been sort of uh, attending to the various tentacles of the story over the last couple of months. I haven't put an outline into, into Frontier yet. Um, but I'm, I'm gathering quite an elaborate story. There is quite a, uh, quite a significant event that's probably going to bring together a couple of empires in the course of their adventure. So their adventure is very much these two guys in conflict with each other, trying to deal with the fact of each other's agendas. But against that, there are larger things going on in the galaxy. Um, other people with other agendas. And uh, yeah, there'll be a bit of uh, the commander's past revisited. There's going to be quite a series of, of flashbacks of him dealing with his earlier, various earlier stages of his life. Um, and uh, yeah, a fairly intense backdrop that uh, the action in the latter part of the book is going to take place against. You said it's going to be illustrated and things like that. I mean, you can people still back the project? They certainly can. There's a website up at uh, supermassive.chouser.com, which is probably the world's most difficult URL. Because no matter no matter how you think it sounds, it's not going to be the way you spell it. So that's s p s u p r m a s v dot c z a u s o v dot com c o m. Yeah, which is a, a mangling of supermassive plus my surname. Actually, you can go to the possible page, which is just uh, possible dot com slash supermassive, which was the, the crowdfunding URL. From there, you'd probably be able to find your way to the book's own uh, URL. But uh, no, I, I, I think people best go there directly. Maybe Bitly would have been a good idea. But anyway, I am on, I am on the wiki. So if people check it on the wiki, all the URLs are there. There's a PayPal. Uh, the important thing is that there is a PayPal facility there on the website. So most of the different sort of pledge levels are still there via PayPal if people want to. People are more than welcome to, to still come on board. You can still get the, the full-on PDF with the illustrations. You can still get the bonus content with um, the ship blueprints and the copy of Void magazine if you want to, so please come along and, and uh, join up if you haven't already done so. You, you mentioned that you, you backed um, Drew and Boz, Indeed. and obviously uh, Elite Dangerous. Did you back anybody else? Uh, out of the books, um, practically all of them. I know Drew said that. He's, he's probably quite accurate, more accurate than me. You don't have to name them all. You can just say practically all of them. Well, That's practi- fine. Practically all of them. Of course, actually, I, I must give a shout-out to, to some of the guys, and I won't, I won't name them, but some of the guys for unknown reasons, didn't quite make it, despite having pretty good offers. And my heart goes out to them because I could easily have, easily have been one of them. Um, and I'd like to encourage those guys to keep writing, not, not see that as a poke in the eye, because my goodness me, there were, there were a hell of a lot of books on offer. And uh, I mean, some people, some people spent, must have spent all their money just on backing the game and had hardly anything left over for the books. And it's, it's frankly amazing that, that most of the books got there. So if, if you weren't successful, please don't, by all means, don't consider it a criticism and, and stick at your writing. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I put my money behind most of them. Some of them were lesser amounts, 
Um, certainly the initial few are the ones that got the, the more significant contributions from me, especially when I didn't think that I'd be writing my own because I ideally wanted to have a piece of some of them. So when people offered in-book rewards, I, I did jump on that. As I say, that's principally Drew and, Drew and Boz. But uh, no, I think they they, uh, they all got my support. How, how can you resist, really? You know, if you're if you're a fan of Elite and you see the you see these things pop up, you just think, oh, wouldn't that be fantastic? And you just hop on board. So this is where you probably do have to name some people. Which of the projects are you particularly excited about? You know, which ones are you really looking forward to? Well, look, I'd, I'd have to. He's um he's very closely connected to Frontier, so it might be a little bit bit of a cheat. But his Kickstarter is still on, so I'd have to say Alan. Alan's Live Revolution sounds incredibly intriguing. He's got all this funky spy revolutionary reward level stuff going on, which uh, it's just so much fun. You know, it sort of brings back the uh, brings you back to being sort of twelve or thirteen. When, <laughs> And you would really be sucked in heavily by all of that sort of stuff. And he's got a film as well, you know. Uh, my goodness me, you know what a what a project. So I I put some some money behind that, and I would encourage everybody to head over to uh, to Live Revolution and plonk some dollars down or some pounds, as the as the case may be. Um, it's just such a incredibly exciting sounding project. I must say though, I'm also much looking forward to Drew because Drew's got the Drew's got the track record. Uh, you know, he's written a, a trilogy, for God's sake, already. Um, so what he does on top of that with official backing is you know, will be very, very interesting to see, I think, as well as being the first. And um, Drew, I think, out of all the, the crowdfunded books, needs the most kudos because he led the way and put up with all the, all the flack hit in the very early, early days. Every one of us that, that did a crowdfunded book could have been up for that flack. And he neatly sort of, you know, took all of that for us. You know, he, he took that bullet. <laughs> I think he'll be immortalized like John T. <laughs> yeah, I hope he will. I hope he will. But, but yeah, going back, Alan, please. Finally, the game. What are you looking forward to, to actually seeing in the game? Oh, I'm looking forward to docking inside a space station. I'm looking forward to, to taking that damn ship, you know, matching the rotation of, of, the, of the station dock and actually going into the space station through the tunnel and putting the ship down somewhere. That would be incredibly, <laughs> for me personally, that would be incredibly thrilling just to just to put the damn ship down somewhere inside the station. So basically the first 10 minutes of Elite then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, but no, um, the multiplayer must, I must say, I you know, I could have played, in fact I did play Elite till the cows came home, without seeing another soul, you know, another living soul in the game back in the day. But the whole multiplayer aspect is interesting. It will be interesting to, to see your friends flying alongside you to, to, to meet up. And so there's that whole social angle, which is intriguing. I know people like uh, people like Commander Stigron sort of swear that they'll never touch the, the multiplayer, that they'll be flying alone. And I kind of understand that too. So I, I definitely want a taste of both. That disappoints me because I was hoping that uh, Stigron would be kicking back with us at the leave station bar. But, um, uh, wow, that's news to me. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you would if you were to catch him furtively, you know, sort of sneaking a few pangalactic gargle blasters down at the bar. I'd keep my eye out for him if I were you. So, um, all that remains is for me to thank you, Andre, for taking the time to come and uh, speak to me. Well, thank you, John. Your project sounds fascinating, and I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to it. Yes, well, um, the the actual writing's not far away. Um, I'm about to submit an outline and. Um, all of my supporters can look forward to a pretty fancy newsletter because um, I've had nothing much to report for the last couple of months. I'm going to make a bumper issue of my so-called monthly newsletter. 
pretty soon. So you can look out for that, guys. Excellent stuff. Well, thanks very much, Andre, and I'll let you jump in your ship and fly off to wherever you're going. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>